Okay, welcome back to the second chapter of the director's diary. Um, thank you so much for still being here and listening, and um, and I hope that the first episode was interesting and useful. Listening back on it, I was in two minds whether to actually submit it um, because I thought it was a bit sporadic in its approach. Um, but I thought there were, that there was interesting ideas in there, so I, I released it as a first episode. This one, I think I'm going to go more into depth into what exactly what I meant by some of the things I said. Um, I think, based on feedback already, um, a lot of the things that have come back are specifically about the funding um, and the details about Arts Council bids and how you run a theatre company financially, how you run yourself as a freelancer financially, so I'll be going into a bit of that. Um, for example, how do you set yourself up as a sole trader and that kind of thing. Um, but first of all, I, w- I really want to say um, how thankful I am for the feedback. And also, like, the feedback has kind of reinforced the idea for me that this is a needed platform um, to to talk about what it's like as a, as a freelance artist. And artist, in that sense, means producer, designer, stage manager, dancer, director, actor. It, it means all of them. And I think these types of conversations are not necessarily foregrounded for freelancers. These conversations are not necessarily conversations we even have with other people. And, it, and if they are, it is with one or two trusted people and they don't go as far as that cafe or pub or wherever we're having them. So I think it's really important to have this honest dialogue about the reality of what it's like as a freelancer. A lot of us have the kind of grand idea of leaving university and I'm going to be a director, I'm going to be an actor, I'm going to be a producer. And then reality hits and couple months after, for me, it was kind of sooner than that, weeks after leaving uni, going, okay, what am I going to do? And how How the hell do I do it? Um, so I think this is a really useful thing, not only for me to document myself and how I'm feeling about the process, but also for others. Um, recently I, I did a t- talk at a university where I spoke about how you start and how um, kind of practical steps and I think a lot of particularly students but I don't think I think it's unfair to say this is just for students I think this is for people who are emerging and not to sound kind of cringy but aren't we all emerging and aren't we all learning like our craft and I think the fake it till you make it is especially prevalent in the arts because you literally have to find your feet immediately and learn on the job and no one starts the career or is maybe even maybe even the emerging kind of the people that you would think are kind of 10 years in are still kind of finding their feet because of things like technology are changing and kind of the way of working might be changing so anyway yeah that was a bit of a tangent but just to say that I think this is a useful platform and um and hopefully we, we're going to get more guests onto this um, podcast so that you can hear not only from 
a theatre director's point of view, but from producer's point of view, from a designer's point of view, and how they made it. So if there's any, and also if there's any specific um, job titles, we'll call them, that you specifically want me to to look at and to to maybe find a, a guest speaker, um, drop a DM to the Instagram. Uh, it's the director's diary with the underscores for the spaces, um, or on Twitter. Um, I think it's just the I think it's just the director's diary underscore um, at the end for. But I think if you search director's diary, it'd be fine. Um, and let's have a conversation. Let's not let, let's not have just a one way street. Let's. I'm interested to see what you guys um, think about it. Anyway, let's crack on with chapter two. This is the director's diary. I'm Alex Palmer. It's no one's intention ever to share a diary, so if you're listening to this, keep it close and use it well. Okay, funding. So, just having a look at my diary, I've been scrolling notes on it, but um, funding for me is one of the hardest things to do and one of the most important things to do. And I think as a freelancer especially, if, you, if you're not funded by a core pot of money, for example, if you're, if you're not an MPO that can guarantee X amount of pounds per quarter, I think it's really, really difficult to navigate life, rent, food, whatever. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest causes of unhappiness from my own experience of not, of not having the stability but also with the instability kind of thing you also get the freedom so that's and I think that's why most freelancers tend to be freelancers it's the freedom of opportunity the freedom to work on different projects the freedom to choose your own working hours that kind of thing um, but with that comes funding and how you support yourselves um, this is no, by no means the way of doing it either. This is just my way of doing it. And I'm just trying to be as open and honest about how, how I made Riptide, how I made my, myself self-sufficient in the arts. And there are flaws in it. And I'm not saying that I'm 100% happy with where I am at the moment, but this is just, um, you know, a way of working that, you know, I'm, I'm content, I'm, I'm, I'm making work, and I'm not working for anyone else, and I can choose the projects I work on. So in that sense, I think that's kind of where I wanted to be four years ago. Um, so I've, I've broken this down into three categories. The first one is Arts Council. The second one is kind of council funding, kind of other pots of money. And the third one is crowdfunding. Um, and I'll touch on all of them. And I'm going to start with Arts Council. So, for those who, um, I'm going to go right down to kind of layman's terms here. Um, so apologies for the, those people who have already submitted Arts Councils and know the process. But I'm going to outline that for those people who haven't. So Arts Council need te- at least 10% match funding from somewhere else. So that's, that's funding from somewhere else. Um, so if you're going for £10,000 for a project from Arts Council, they would expect in the budget at least a thousand pounds is coming from somewhere else. And I, and I would like to 
you know, when I mentor other people, I, I like to go on kind of 25% as a, as a kind of healthy, um, as a healthy Arts Council budget. Um, and an Arts Council bid and budget, I think the budget is really where I start personally, because that's where you work out exactly how much it's going to cost. And this is kind of one of the main lessons I learned because I almost felt guilty for asking for what felt like a lot of money um you know I think my first arts council bid was 13 and a half thousand which is a hell of a lot of money but that is when you worked it out that is exactly how much it cost how much it costed to to put it on um and my first show was a kind of uh six actors um, for a week and it was a one audience member at a time show where they used a GPS app to navigate their city and they would bump in bump into in, in inverted commas um, these kind of actors who would give them a scene um, and it's called You Are Here and it was kind of the first thing that Riptide did um, but we started with the budget we started with um, and, and we broke down what that cost so for me um, that goes into kind of three main areas. The first area is the team, so who are you working with? And we now work with um, with ITC, so the Independent Theatre Council um, rates or equity minimum rates when we're working with actors. And I think that's a really good place to start and I think it's really important to say that they are minimum rates. Um, not It's not advised to get below, below them. They are absolute minimum. I think currently um, actor rates are like £471 per week is the minimum. So if, you, if you're just starting out, that's, actors are quite expensive. Um, and you might be starting out with a collective, maybe mates from uni, maybe people you've known for a long time. And maybe paying yourself isn't the most important thing, maybe making the art and the theatre or the dance or the whatever it is, is the most important thing. Um, and there you can kind of circumnavigate the minimum raise if it is agreed and that's like in bold I think and I think if it's agreed with you, with you and your team that you're going to say take a box office split or, or that you're going to pay them you know one and a half two grand or let's say it's, let's say it's one grand as a project fee and, you, and everyone gets one grand or two grand and that everyone gets the same and whatever it makes, that's, that's the most we're going to make so that more money goes into the budget for other stuff. That's, that is a way that you could do it but I think to look at those rates is a really good place to start. And the other thing is resources. So we've got team as one and then we've got resources as the other and that is everything from um, your venue costs. If you're in a venue, that's your... Um, actual design budget, so like how, like you know, the wood and the nails and the paint. How much is it going to cost to do all of that? Um, if you're making digital work, like we are, it's uh, rates for, you know, are, are you buying a new phone or microphone or whatever? Like we're, we're currently uh, making a binaural piece of work, so we're investing in a, a binaural microphone where we can then make other binaural work um, and, and that's kind of the second part of the budget 
Um, and then the third part of budget is marketing and documentation. It's that kind of like over broad thing of like, okay, how are you going to get that out there? And that's everything from like print costs to uh, paying someone for the design, or that might come into team, but like uh, the print run is definitely in there. The If you're paying a PR company, which we did last time, which worked really well because they got us kind of interviews and press coverage. Um, so if, I think if you can pay for a press PR company, that's good. I think I would advise going to a freelancer who does PR as a kind of cheap alternative um, and kind of capitalising on their contacts. Um, and with that kind of marketing comes documentation, which is like key, key, key. Like, I can't stress this enough to people who are starting out. The documentation of your work, I kind of touched on it in the last episode, but the documentation of the work is one of the most important things. How how you frame what you have done is how you get future work. So it's kind of it's vital that you capture as much as you can. Um, I'm still learning and struggling to capture work. Um, you'll see from the website is there are photos and there's some audio from the last piece, but that's partly because the kind of work that Riptide make is difficult to capture. So how do you capture one audience member's journey um, without it being the camera that's the audience? I'm kind of thinking out loud now. but So that's difficult. Um, but also it's, it is quite difficult to document it. It's quite difficult to think about it when you're making a piece or an installation or a dance piece. It's difficult to think about the creation of that and think about how we're going to frame it um, in the documentation. Um, and I've got here 10 to 15% needs to be contingency. And you'll know this from making any sort of work that it's a fluid thing and at any moment the roof can come down on you. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's that's why that's there. Um, for, I mean, I'm going to talk about pitfalls of, of Arts Council process now. And like one of these is about the contingency and about the way that I worked was um, my fee, my director's fee, because of the nature of, because I'm the founder of Riptide, my fee was the second contingency. So if the contingency was out, it would come out of my fee. So if we had to pay someone to come in and fix a wall, whatever, that's never happened before, but like as an example, that would come out of my fee if the contingency had gone. And I say, that's a really bad way of working, and it shows that the contingency wasn't enough in the first place. Um, so, so yeah, I would advise against that mentality, but the reality is that if there's no money in the budget, and you're the founder, and, and you're the, you know, the buck stops with you, you are liable to pay that. Um, so pitfalls, pitfalls of, um, of this. Uh, I've said before, not asking for enough. Um, contingency too low, I've put it here. Um, uh, this is a good one, overestimating income. So I would say the box office money is risk money. So you cannot ever guarantee that that, that figure that you're going to put, that often in reality you've plucked it out of thin air or that you're working on other budgets, that you, you know, other projects, you can't guarantee that that's going to be the money. Um, 
and I've put here in capital letters, never put your own money in. So if you're working on an Arts Council bid, the budget should be self-sufficient. You, you should never be putting your own money into that budget. Um, if you're needing to do that, you're not, either not asking for enough, or you haven't got a bigger, big enough contingency, or you need to find funding from somewhere else as well. Um, yeah. Um, I've got here top tips. So top tips come with, okay, so let's start with budget because we're talking about that anyway. So have you got the 10% match? Um, does the budget, I mean, this is sounds simple, but does the budget add up and, and equal each other? Does the income match the um, expenditure? And on a Arts Council bid, you can't make a profit. So they need to be equal. Um, if you make a profit, say if you're running a bar at your event and you make a profit from the bar, you need to declare that. And then if you've made a profit, the Arts Council are entitled to ask for that back. Because um, the kind of ethos of the Arts Council is to to fund the, the event, you shouldn't be making a profit from it. Um, are you paying good rates? So are you paying equity minimum? Are you paying design as well? Are you paying um, people fair rates and looking after them? And is it thoughtful? So do you have a section in there for rights if you're putting on a show? Like if you're putting on a Samuel Beckett play, do you have the rights? Um, have you got the right insurances in there? Like are they detailed? Are, you know, you say that you're going to run workshops. Are you paying someone to do the, the workshops? And is that, is that aligned in the budget? So they'll, they will look at that kind of, how does the budget mirror what you've said in the bid? Um, other top tips uh, for, from my own experience are, um, a really key section on that is partners. So are your partners confirmed um, or are they expected? You know, if you can confirm them before you write that, and if you're going to if you're going to work with this theatre, for example, um, and have rehearsal space there, are they confirmed? You know, are they mentioned in the bid? Um, for example, when you're writing about the artistic quality, are you mentioning that you're going to be at that theatre? Um, and is it realistic? So, you know, are you saying you're going to be working at the National Theatre when you've just come out of uni? Um, obviously, that'd be highly unlikely and unrealistic, but are you working with a local theatre or a local theatre group and using their space? That's, that's the kind of um, thing that they're looking for. Um, is the project, I've put here legacy, which is a word that I love to use because it um, shows that the project has a future to it. So does the future of the project have a meaningful engagement in, in the people that you're, you know, are you going to a certain community, um, working with them and then dropping them as soon as the project is over or does, does it have a lasting effect? Um, legacy can be digital as well, so are you digitising what you're doing and putting online for everyone to, to see afterwards? Uh, that's a legacy. Um, and actually a, a legacy that the Arts Council really like, um, kind of putting work onto digital accessible uh, formats um, and also who is it for so, so do you say I mean there's a whole section on who is it for but like are you really explicit in terms of the demographic of people you're um, looking at how you're going to engage with them um, kind of why it's necessary and I think I think for a piece of advice for any kind of arts maker is why is the biggest 
and most important question you need to ask, like, why should anyone care? Why should anyone leave their house to come and see whatever it is, whether that's an installation, whether that's a theatre piece, a dance piece, why, why is it relevant? Like, what? why? Um, there's a f funny memory I've just thought about when we... Uh, Thought about when we used uh, uh, some evaluation um, for a show, and we uh, we gave them postcards, and uh, one of the one of the audience members, and it was totally anonymous, um, had just written "Y" in big capital letters over the front of the postcards. Just refused to stick to any kind of text box that we given them, you know, it's, it's a nicely designed postcard, just written Y all over it, and, you know, they're not wrong. Um, other top tips for, for Arts Council is, have you um, met with your relationship manager to kind of talk through your idea, which is a really, I think, really good and valuable thing to do. Um, you can find that on their website and kind of email that way and arrange a meeting. And have you got someone else to look your bid over? So that, and I would advise you get someone in the arts who knows kind of what you do to read it. And then I would get someone who is not in the arts who might struggle to understand what you're doing. And if they understand it after reading it, you know you're on a winner. Um, and you know that you're being clear enough. Um, so, so yeah, info on Arts Council, it's a six-week turnaround, so you need to wait for, for six, up to six weeks from when you say submit to when you get the response back on it. Um, so factor that into your timeline and, your, and you know, how you're going to work. So if you need the money in four weeks, this, you know, don't bother doing the Arts Council because you'll be waiting longer than that. Um, and also, this is kind of something I'm, I've recently learned. When you get a yes from the Arts Council, they send you a, a bank details form and you have to send that off in the post and you have to accept it formally online. When you accept it formally online, it's only then 20 to 25 working days, working days, so not 25 days, working days, so five weeks, until you actually receive the money in your bank account. So. From beginning to end, if you were seamless, from beginning to, say you said submit, that's six weeks, and then you get a yes, and then you submit, say you submit everything online and everything, that's another five weeks until you actually get the money in your bank account. So you kind of have to factor in that, um, which came as a shock to me recently when I didn't have the money as soon as I said submit, so you had to kind of wait for that to come through. Um, and keep all your receipts as well um, so any, anything you buy on the show keep the receipts um, because they they the Arts Council could audit you and say okay you said you spent X amount on uh, technology or X amount on um, paint for example uh, prove it and they can audit you so you need to be kind of rigorous in terms of that um, a good producer will always help you with that and um, kind of um, make sure that that process is, is going um, and also that, that the Arts Council will when they release the money initially they will release 
um, 90% of the budget at, in the beginning. Um, and you have to do the completion or the, the evaluation to get that added 10%. And that 10% is usually um, my fee. That's how I work it. So I like to pay everyone up front. And then my fee is the, the evaluation. And the evaluation needs to be rigorous as well. Like, uh, I think in years gone by, you could just submit something half-baked. But um, uh, I, I was in conversation with another theatre director who said that uh, someone he knew um, had got a letter from the Arts Council saying, no, actually, you need to redo this because it's not good enough um, to their evaluation. So, and I think the evaluation is kind of a, an in, integral part of making work. It's kind of how you develop um, so that's kind of the Arts Council in a nutshell. The, some questions that might come out of this are what I've written here and I've tried to kind of second guess them. So, so one thing that struck me when I first wrote an Arts Council bid was, okay, you're, you need 10% match from somewhere. Where the hell am I finding that, um, where the hell am I finding that money from if I'm not putting it in myself? Um, so, you know, ways of doing that is uh, the box office. So if you're selling tickets, that could be that could be a, a match, but obviously that's risk money, as we've said before. Like you can't you can't bank on that. And I think a healthy way of doing this is going okay. If your capacity is X, say that, let's say a hundred people, um, go. I would go sixty percent capacity at a reasonable amount that you would charge for a ticket, you know, however much you think other events of a similar quality are taking place, you take that kind of figure, um, and that will be unconfirmed in your budget. Uh, so that's one way of doing it. The, the other kind of funding pots um, are, there's, you know, there's council money dedicated to the arts and culture sector. Um, so for, you know, we make work in Leeds, so there's Leeds Inspired, um, which is a council-run thing, which is dedicated to promoting the arts in, in Leeds. Um, I would say, be careful about how you approach this, and in which order, and there's no right way of doing this. So do you, okay, for example, do you get the council money, which is often, let's say it's 10%, so let's say, let's work on the budget we had before, so the £1,000 that you're looking for, for this, to, to mirror your £10,000 Arts Council bid. So do you get the council £1,000 to then, with a view to then match it with £10,000 from Arts Council afterwards? So do you write the uh, Leeds Inspired one first, for example? The positives to that is that when you come to write the Arts Council bid, you've already got the match, so it's already confirmed. The downside to that is it's risk. I think it's risky writing the council bid saying that oh, but we will get ten thousand pounds from the arts council. So I've always personally written to the arts council first, got that bid, and then tried to find the smaller match, having this big weight of um, money behind me. Um, the downside to that, and what we ran into. Um, like an advisor that I, I rate the opinion of very highly, lit, sat, sat me down and was like, well, you've got to be careful here because you've said 
that you are going to complete this arts project for £10,000 and you're, you're, you've said you'd do that with taxpayers' money. So if you fail to find the match, then you've got to be wary about the implications of that. Um, but getting, I think getting the, if you can get the Arts Council money first, you've got, you've got the bargaining power then to say, we only need £1,000 from you and it's going to go into a much bigger budget, so the, the value for what you're getting is a lot higher. Um, so this, this £1,000 isn't just going for a £1,000 project, it's going for a lot bigger project, which, and therefore the money goes further, is kind of the, the way that I would do it. Um, and there are lots of these kind of tiny um, pots of money that do really well with match funding. Um, and as I said, there's not one way of doing it. Um, I think you kind of have to figure it out, but I think I've kind of set out the pros and cons there and the kind of risks. Um, yeah. Okay, so crowdfunding. I've put here, be careful. Um, crowdfunding, the positive of this is that uh, it's free, it's a good publicity exercise, and you can potentially gain a following, you could potentially sell tickets in advance of the actual event, um, and create a buzz around it. Um, the downfall of it is that it can give you a lot more extra work than what it actually would have been to write another bid or whatever, or sell something at your event. Um, and it is, it's hard to get it to the right people in terms of like, it's hard to get it to people outside of your circle, um, to, get, to get it to those people who are on those funding sites, who are philanthropic and kind of want to give to arts events. It's, it's really difficult to navigate that. Um, that's not to say that's in, that it's impossible. We've done two crowdfunders, uh, one for one grand, one for two grand, we've got both of them. And it's a, there, are, there are definite ways of setting a crowdfunding uh, campaign up. And I think, I mean, Kickstarter, uh, the Kickstarter video on their website about how, what makes a good uh, Kickstarter says this better than I can in whatever, 30 seconds. But um, for me, a good Kickstarter campaign has good rewards that add value. Um, so is that pre-release of scripts or pre-release of um, tickets? Is that, um, is that merchandise from the show? Is that, you know, for, what, for one Kickstarter, for our first Kickstarter, we gave backers parts of the set um, after we dismantled it. So, and that was a kind of sustainable way of us making that show as well. Um, so yeah, uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, and it's risky. And for some of these Kickstarter, kind of, um, I keep keep saying Kickstarter. For some of these uh, crowdfunding websites, if you don't reach your uh, limit, you don't get any of it, which is obviously a massive risk. Um, but I th I think a lot of especially theatre companies do this, um, and it is a model that that people use. Um, just be wary of it, I guess. Um, 
And you can also boost your bid, you know, in terms of this big overarching question which we're asking, which we're answering at the minute, um, in terms of uh, where's this 10% coming from, uh, the 10% can also be uh, boosted by the, in, the things that you have in kind. And in kind is a kind of a term that the Arts Council use for things that might not have a monetary value in themselves, but um, by people giving them to you, it takes out of the budget what you would have spent on it. So I'll give you an example. So an in-kind would be rehearsal space, like free rehearsal space from a university, um, which might be the equate to maybe £100 a day. Um, so if you're you know, if your university or a friend is giving you space to rehearse in, work that out, how, mu how much it would cost at that price, so £500, if you're doing, you know, five-day week, and put that into the, into the in-kind part of the budget. And that, I think, I think comes off or adds to the 10%. I need to... I'll, I'll double-check that and come back to you, but it definitely adds to... The positive. I'm I'm certain that it comes off the match, um, and things that can be like um, equipment um, given for free. So you know if you're, and this is especially um, useful if you're still linked with your university, or if you have someone in your team who is, or if you're still at university. You know, to to capitalise on free space, um, equipment hire that would cost you an absolute bomb, uh, consultancy. Uh, costs from a mentor, you know, are you speaking with a mentor who's helping you out and they, you know, the equivalent of that would be like £250 a day. So if they're coming in and seeing a, being an outside eye or um, giving you a business meeting or looking at your budget or whatever, put that into the budget as a kind of consultancy fee. Um, because that also shows that you're working with people at a high calibre and, that you, and it improves your bid even more because, you know, that's an, an, an additional, easy for you to say, an additional um, person to work on the, on the project. Okay, so I think we're going to leave it there for chapter two of the director's diary um, to kind of take a breath and... Um, uh, so, so that kind of covered funding for Arts Council, for um, council funding, um, and for the kind of pros and cons of uh, crowdfunding, council funding, crowdfunding, um, and kind of top tips. So, kind of meet your relationship manager, get someone else to read it, um, all those kind of things, and specific kind of what to do in a budget, how to get uh, partners involved. Um, and I hope some of that is self-explanatory. So, you know, if we said to get a theatre on board, that means setting up a, you know, a meeting with the artist, artist director and, you know, going through your project and kind of selling it to them. I think, I hope that is self-explanatory. Um, what I'll end with is kind of a, uh, a quote that I kind of like, like to go back to from... Um, kind of an idol of mine, uh, Tim Ferriss, who um, has done loads of things, but kind of, I think he would be classed as an entrepreneur. Um, he, he says in one of his books that life punishes the vague ask. Um, so, 
and that, so for me that's about uh, going back to exactly what do you want so ex but really nailing it down so yes I want to be successful okay well how successful do you want to be um, and, and how can you measure that so I want to earn X amount or I really want um, to be funded by the Arts Council okay well how much does it cost to put something that you want to do on um, so it's about really being specific and I think that goes to life as well like if you want a new job okay well what you know define what you want um, in you know really specific terms um, that are measurable and I think you will be measurably happier doing it that way um, thank you so much again for uh, tuning in uh, episode three chapter three will be about finance again but about finance as a freelancer so I think what we're going to talk about is um, individually how do you how do you set up to be self-employed how do you um, uh, logistically set up a theatre company legally so do you become a sole trader do you uh, be a limited company that, that that kind of thing but also like practical advice for freelancers just coming out of uni financial advice um, and kind of what steps to kind of put in place for I guess gem general success uh, it's kind of it's hard to kind of tailor it to to one thing because it's it is so broad and it's so specific to your needs you know you might have uh, student loans, whatever, um, or rent or bills and all those things will be different or you might have other dependents um, to think about. But that, but I think what I really want to nail down um, for you is kind of the reality of personal finance being a freelancer. So that'll be chapter three. Um, join me then. Thank you again so much for listening. Mm -hmm.